welcome to another episode of The Good Vanilla, a Barefoot Contessa podcast where the chicken stock is homemade, store-bought is just fine, and the vanilla is always good. I am your host, Nick Kachanov, and today we are prepping ahead, but also throwing it back to season one. It's been a while since I've gone back to the earlier episodes, uh, and I thought it was high time for a visit. It's, uh, it's an action-packed episode with a, a long list on the menu here. It's uh, one of those episodes where she cooks like 17 things. <laughs> well, I guess she wouldn't. She, she doesn't do like a lot of cooking in this episode. It's more like uh, with the antipasto platter and like arranging, we'll call it. But I'm getting ahead of myself already. So let's uh, let's rein it in and. Let's, uh, let's start this episode. This is season one, episode six, and it's called Dinners in the Fridge. So Ina begins. First, uh, it's important to know that she's, she's perched on the arm of her couch reading a newspaper, you know, casually, as you do. So she starts. I'm going to the movies with friends tonight, and we're coming home for dinner afterwards. I'm not about to start cooking then. So I'm going to have everything done in the fridge, and all I have to do is heat it up when we get home. And that's it. (laughs) That's all the intro is. I mean, again, early days, but she doesn't list what's on the menu, because in these early episodes, we don't get, like, the sneak preview, which is crazy to think, because nowadays I feel like it's it's practically built into, like, every single food uh, network show. Like, here's what you're going to get this episode. Because sometimes when I'm looking for an episode, um, I'll, like, I'll watch, like, the first minute of it just to see if it's something that looks kind of fun or whatever. But these earlier ones, I kind of just press play and take a chance. So um, my favorite thing of that intro, though, is the way that she says, I'm not about to start cooking then. She's like, I'm not about to start cooking then, is how she says it. Instead of, like... I guess it would be like, I'm not about to start cooking then, uh, but whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. So she is, again, just making everything ahead, really. It's kind of like the predecessor for making, or make it ahead, rather, which is one of her cookbooks, as we all know. Okay, so she starts off by making penne with five cheeses, which sounds delish. I've been really in the mood for pasta lately. It's not that Keon and I don't eat carbs we definitely do like our carbs are like sugar which I guess turns into carbs at the end of the day but um I've just been really craving like a good homemade pasta and this definitely satisfies that minus like one ingredient which we'll get into so uh she starts by grating some fontina and she does say that she's going to start with an antipasto salad and uh with balsamic onions and this penne with five cheeses so she kind of gives us a little bit of a sneak preview of what's to come as she's making her first dish um and it's interesting because I was typing I I watch it with the subtitles just because sometimes if I pause and I want to take a note it's nice because the text is there but I think that I've been saying antipasta my entire life and I was in on the uh subtitles and it was spelled antipasto with an o and I was like is it antipasta or antipasto? So I Googled it and I found out that antipasto is the singular form of the word while antipasti is the plural and antipasta is a colloquialism for antipasto and a mistranslation of basically it means like before the pasta. So 
we're all learning things today here on The Good Vanilla that I've been saying it wrong the whole time. But I feel like on menus, I've seen it advertised as antipasta. But I guess it is antipasto. So there's that. Um, next, she starts with the sauce for the pasta, which is just delicious. It starts with two cups of heavy cream. All good things start with two cups of heavy cream. A cush... A cushed, a cup of crushed tomatoes, which I do love. I love a sort of cream mixed with like tomato sauce. That's sort of like I almost called it pink sauce, but it's not, it's not really doesn't really make pink. But I just love the idea of like some sort of Alfredo-y cream-based sauce mixed with like a red sauce. I love that. Um, so she adds into that uh, the sauce a half cup of pecorino, which is like Parmesan or Parmesan, excuse me. And then she adds half a cup of Fontina. And then she adds gorgonzola. Ugh. She says it's mountain gorgonzola. Again, we all know that I don't really love any sort of form of blue cheese or or gorgonzola. Or, you know, it's, it's just not... It's just not for me, which stinks. Because, like, everything else in this, uh dish I just like love and but I know if I ate that I would immediately taste it because it's just such a sharp pungent kick and there's not a lot of it but there's enough so that's the one ingredient I would totally leave out um and next she uh adds two tablespoons of ricotta and then a quarter pound of mozzarella and then sprinkles in some chopped basil as well um, so she mixes that all together and then throws the penne into the, into the bowl as well and gives it a big stir. It looks so good. I could just eat it like that. Just like, <laughs> it's not that it's raw. Well, the, the pasta she said is undercooked because it'll cook more in the oven. So she kind of leans a little bit more on the al dente side. So next she lays out these individual gratin dishes so that each person will get their own serving of pasta, which is lovely. I do... Subscribe to the idea of everyone kind of getting their own portion that way. There's like, there's no question or temptation to like go and get more because if there's more pasta on the table, like in a bowl, I'm going to eat it until it's gone. (laughs) Like I will totally, I can't, I think there are a few, uh, like there's a lot of foods really, if I'm being honest, that I just can't stop myself. And pasta is like one of them. Pizza is like another one. I could just keep eating pizza until I burst. It's so good. I just love Italian food. But um, but this is good. I like that we they get their own sort of portion and they don't have to worry about, you know, embarrassing themselves or making themselves like uncomfortable or too stuffed. Um, so she tops off each of the, the little individual gratin dishes with a little bit of butter, which is uh, yes, please. I mean, I feel like anything is going to be a little bit better with like, and they're these cute little cubes too. It's like she almost diced them up. It's not like big chunks of butter. It's just like enough to give it some, um, to give it a little bit of color, that brown, crispy goodness. I If, if it were me, I would have maybe sprinkled a little bit more mozzarella on top just so it could get a little like bubbly and brown as well. But uh, it, this is also fine the way it is. Minus that gorgonzola. I hate that. Uh, What's next? So she takes out a sheet pan of... So she puts that in the oven. She puts the pasta in the oven. And then she takes simultaneously, almost, she takes out a sheet pan of roasted cashews, cashews, which she roasted, uh, she tells us, for about 10 minutes. And Robbie Roselle, I know you you mentioned it too when you were on uh, our episode together, but I can't not hear her say cashews anymore. 
I always hear it now. And it's like, but it's also funny too, because it makes me think of you, Robbie, every time she says it. And there's like one, I can't remember what she said, but one, one of the sentences coming up, she really leaned into, I think I, I think I made a note anyway. Um, so she takes the, uh, the cashews out and she tells us that we can't make rosemary cashews without rosemary. So she goes off to the garden, Ina's garden. They should have, they, I mean, ugh, they should have a side series or like a spinoff series called Ina's Garden. Just like give us a two hour special of Ina's Garden and maybe even her house too, because I mean, I guess that's a little bit intrusive, but again, I mean, I would love that. At least do the garden because it's such a beautiful garden. And I really feel like the world needs to see like just how beautiful it is. So that's, that's my pitch to Food Network. If you're listening, Ina's Garden give me a call. I'll be the host. Her and I can just walk through the garden and she'll tell me about her herbs and flowers and, you know, everything else. Uh, So she snips off a good bit of rosemary and tells us that it's great for, you know, roasted potatoes or for lamb, all that other stuff. And she also says in the winter, she'll put it inside a bottle of olive oil. So she'll have uh, rosemary olive oil, which is a great idea. I love that, actually. I think we're growing rosemary. Yes, we are in the backyard. So, Keon, if you're listening, remind me to do that. Um, So she's back in the kitchen. She's chopping up the rosemary. And um, she does cite the recipe. I guess she got this from, she got the idea from the Union Square Cafe, which I'm assuming is in New York and Union Square. Um... It's basically their version of bar nuts, but Ina is just sticking with, this is where it was, cashews is where she really leaned into that pronunciation of that, Um, which is great. I love the idea of having a sort of, you know, it's also, it's always great to have some sort of like pretzel or peanut or like mixed nut thing, but like, why not go the extra mile? I feel like the Union Square Cafe, in my mind, if Ina's been to it, it's probably, you know, uh, upscale, uh, you know, a sort of... Yeah, it's what I'm trying to say, upscale. It's not just some, like, <laughs> dive bar in Union Square that Ina just happened to waltz in one day with Jeffrey. It's it's going to be nice. So um, I like that idea a lot. And this sounds delicious, too. So she throws the... Ch- she chops up the rosemary, and she just kind of tosses it into a bowl. And then on top of that, or with that, rather, she puts in some a little bit of brown sugar, salt, a little bit of cayenne pepper, and a teaspoon of melted butter. And she mixes that all together and she's she's like, just mix this all together and then we're going to add the hot nuts. And the way that she says it is almost like she, it was so like apparent that she, like, again, an accidental emphasis on the word hot nuts, but like I, it was perfect. Like, I just love how she, no one told her to do that. No one said to emphasize hot nuts, but it's just great. Like hearing those words come out of her mouth. So uh, yeah, I loved that. So she tells us that um, this is like the plot of, you know, today's episodes that her and her friends are going to have. Oh, wait, no, never mind. That was like a totally different note. Starting over. She tells us that her friends are going to have sidecars. This is that part, uh, th- that part of the episode, which is a cocktail that consists of cognac, Cointreau and lemon juice. And she says, how bad could that be? Uh Sounds delicious. I actually don't know what Cointreau is. Why do I feel like that's like the blue? (laughs) Oh, that's blue Curacao or something like that. I feel like we used to like drink that in college. Ugh, gosh. Um, Anyway, 
Uh, so she adds all of the cashews, and there are, are a lot of cashews uh, that she's dumping into this bowl. I bet there are like, I don't even know. I feel like it's like 40 plus dollars worth of cashews in that bowl because cashews can get expensive. I mean, any nut can be expensive, but I feel like cashews are on like the higher end of like a, has a higher price point than like, you know, roasted peanuts. Um, and I'm assuming she's also using raw cashews that they're not roasted because she roasted them herself. I don't know. That's just an afterthought. Um, so after she dumps the cashews in the bowl, gives that a mix, she takes out the penne from the oven and it is just, you know, everything that we wanted it to be and more. It looks great, perfectly browned. She sets that on the counter um, and then moves on to her next, uh, I almost called it a dish, but you know, the next thing she's making. So she is chopping fruit for stewed fruit and ice cream. I don't know why stewed fruit sounds like I don't know. Anytime I hear the word stewed anything, like it just makes me think of like some sort of like swampy tomato dish. I don't know why. Like stewed tomatoes to me feel gross, but I probably still eat them, to be honest. Um, but I digress. So she's chopping pineapple and she's chopping golden pineapple, which I guess is different from regular pineapple. I guess I just didn't really know there was more than one. I, I guess like if someone asked me at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'd probably assume that there are more than one type of, uh, you know, pineapple. But she's she's really driving home the golden pineapple here. So I don't know if it's more expensive or she said it was like more sweet than a typical pineapple. So there we go. And my mouth started to water when she was chopping them because you could just like almost taste the pineapple. I really do love pineapple. It's one of my favorite fruits. Um, she also throws in, so she puts that in like almost, she chops up the pineapple. She puts that like in like a stock pot basically. And then she throws in some blueberries and raspberries and one and a half cups of sugar, which it seems like a lot, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that it's needed because there's probably a lot of tartness going on with those, with those specific fruits. Um, and she also adds three quarters of a cup of water and just kind of lets it do its thing. So while the stewed fruit is uh, stewing, for lack of a better word, uh, Ina shows us how to set the table. Not how to set the table, or just like, she gives us a couple, you know, dinner party uh, rules of, what am I trying to say? I'm like, I just like left my body for a moment. <laughs> she's trying to show us, she's giving us tips on how to set a table for a dinner party that she, the way that she would do it. Woof, that was... That was hard to say. I don't know why I was struggling with that. Um, so she says, this is like tip number one. She always tries to make an intimate setting so that um, all of her guests can connect with each other, uh, which I agree with. I do like a sort of like the where she actually ends up um, having the dinner is in her kitchen and it's a circular table. I'm surprised she didn't mention that she does like a circular table because I agree. I do like to be able to see everyone because there is nothing worse than like I don't know if you arrive late at a friend's party and you don't, you know, you, the person that you know can't save you a seat or something and you're just kind of like stuck in no man's land. Like you you have no choice but to talk to the person next to you. Whereas if you're in a circle, yeah, you're still kind of, you know, you're by the people that you're seated next to, but also there's like room to shout across the table or, you know, open up a new topic of conversation. So I'm surprised that didn't make the list, but uh, I'll, I'll make a, I'll make it an honorary an honorary tip here that I'll, I'll throw in the ring. 
Um, she also said that she, the next tip is she prefers a small table. So everyone's sort of elbow to elbow. I don't love that. I know. I'm sorry. I do need space. Like I, I don't know. I, I don't want to be close to unless it's like, if it's all my really, really close friends, then yeah, like bring them on in. But like, if, if it's like people that I don't talk to a lot or, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but I guess at the end of the day. I just uh, need some space. I don't know. Um, so the next thing she loves to do is serve everything family style, which of course we know. I mean, anyone who's ever watched Ina knows that she prefers everyone sort of serving themselves. And she says people can serve each other. And it just kind of, uh, I don't know, provides that connective tissue of like everyone sort of being engaged with each other. Um, and for this specific party, she's pu she's putting in the antipasto in the middle of the table. Um, so great. And the last thing she says is that she also loves to serve dinner in the kitchen. She never has to leave the party and it sort of keeps everything all cohesive, which I do understand, like as an entertainer, as an entertainer myself, um, like as someone who's like the host, I guess, um, that you don't want to be from the party too long. And I, and then that's important to Ina. So it's important to me. Um, I do love the color of the plates. I will say that she puts out it's, it's almost like this like mud green, which sounds terrible. It's like it's almost like a slaty like slate green. I don't know. There's a dog barking outside my window. I hope you can't hear that, um, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, the plates are great. That dog is loud and it's cocktail time. And so Ina has like a zinger here at the beginning of this segment. She says, she's like, wine is perfectly fine to serve at a party, but it's kind of boring. And it just like, she, it was like really abrupt. It was funny. Um, and then she says, I think anything in a martini glass makes it a party. So this is where she makes the sidecars. Um, so she starts out with like a lemon juice and sugar rim which is great. I don't know if I've talked about margaritas on this podcast yet, but I don't love a salt rim. It just, ugh, it makes me want to barf. I don't know why, but I, I would definitely, definitely, um, I, I prefer a sugar rim. I actually prefer no rim, to be honest, but if, if a rim has to happen, it's got to be sugar. Um, so anyway, those are my thoughts on different kinds of rims. Uh, next, it's time to actually make the cocktail. So she puts a cup of cognac, half a cup of triple sec, and then a quarter cup of fresh lemon juice. And that's all it is, which is simple. Um, she pours it all into this sort of like, it's like a beaker. I don't know. It's, it's like a decanter of sorts too, but it kind of looks like a beaker. It's really lovely. And um, of course she has to taste it. So she pours herself a sidecar and throws in a maraschino cherry and she takes a sip and says that's gonna be a good party and she kind of points to the glass when she says it it's cute um so after that uh she's putting the finishing touches on the stewed fruit and she adds um i feel like she does this often she adds a fresh pint of raspberries to the already cooked or stewed in this in this uh, instance fruit just for some added texture and then off the heat, she adds some framboise, which is raspberry brandy, which I think would be lovely. It does look really great. And honestly, like, I know I'm not. Well, this actually, I, I think that I would be into this, like, uh, because it's like I've said before that, like, I feel like fruit should go with sort of vanilla-y sort of things. Like the fact this is on vanilla ice cream. Yes. If it was on like some sort of like, 
I don't know, triple chocolate ice cream, I would pass in a heartbeat. I'd be like, no, I would just like eat the stewed fruit in a cup, <laughs> like without the ice cream. But that's just me. Um, uh, and I guess that's the end of that segment. So next, she is off to her favorite Italian store to buy ingredients for her antipasto salad. And I did catch the name of it. It's called Villa Italian Specialties. But then the bottom of it was cut off. So I don't know what it, I think it was just like saying like and other fine goods or something. Um, but, you know, we now need to add it to our, you know, ongoing list of stops for when I eventually take uh, a pilgrimage to East Hampton or when I start, you know, when I retire in the Hamptons and start my Barefoot Contessa um tour for lack of a better word i feel like i feel like it's going to be the the sex in the city what the sex in the city tour is to new york is what my tour is going to be my barefoot contessa tour in east hampton if that makes sense can't wait um so she walks into this uh store and she says hello to brian who's the guy at the counter and says everything looks so good i want everything and brian is completely nonplussed by <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't be more like disinterested but i i don't think it's his his faults like he she was like going rapid fire and like she said how are you and like as she was saying i want everything he asked her how she was it was awkward but he was giving her nothing as most of these people are but uh he seemed nice brian seemed like a good guy uh, so he suggests soppressata and hard salami. So she uh, she said basically yes to both. And she said she wanted some thick salami and some thin salami. Uh, she also orders some artichokes. Uh, she says, I love that the stems are on them. And they're just kind of soaking in olive oil with like these delicious spices. It looks really good. And some roasted red peppers, which is all, which, are, which are also soaking in olive oil as well. And she also adds a fresh focaccia to that. Brian says, we bake them every day. And, and Ina said like, oh, that's fantastic. And last but not least, oh, wait, no, not last but not least. There's actually a couple more things that she gets. She wants some olives and she gets a taste of the galletas is how, or what Brian tells us they are. Um, it's so fun. Like anytime she... I mean, it's always awkward when you try something, you feel like you have to buy it, which is probably why I don't ask to taste anything because I feel like instantly guilty if I tried something and decide that I don't like it, which, you know, that's on me. That's my baggage. I'm, I'm working through it. But um, she tries the olive and like the moment it touches her lips, she's like, oh my God, perfect. I'll take it. And but, but like, I feel that obviously a lot of this is just like planned out anyway. It's like that food network behind the scenes magic like she knows what she's gonna buy anyway um so she eats the olive and then she kind of turns like her elbows like on the counter and she kind of turns around at the camera she's like when you go to a store the only way you're really gonna know whether you like the ingredient is to taste it people really expect it and i i think the only time i've ever asked for a taste of <laughs> like anything is like at an ice cream shop but you know maybe it's uh Maybe it's time to start tasting things in this post-COVID world. I know that, like, the the ice cream shop down the street was not offering free samples because of COVID, too. So I wonder. I should check in. But, like, I don't know. I feel like there's, like, a great Italian sort of store not too far away from me in Pittsburgh. It's, like, in the Strip District for anyone who lives in Pittsburgh. But it's it's great. It's And they have, a, like, a huge deli counter with, like, olives and cheeses and meats and stuff. So definitely... 
maybe I'll practice, uh, you know, asking for a taste of a couple things over the summer. Who knows? Um, so she also asks for a taste of the taleggio, which is a soft ripening cheese. It looks delicious. He gives her like a big slice of it. She even says, she's like, wow, that's a big taste. And I think she only eats like half of it, but she also says that she'll take some of that. And, um, yeah, then she check or cashes out, checks out and Brian, uh, or bids Brian farewell. And she heads back to the house to chop up the roasted red pepper, well, roasted red peppers, excuse me, that she just bought. And uh, she she kind of like doctors it up a little bit. She adds some olive oil and balsamic vinegar and then adds some capers, which is great. She's on a caper kick. Uh, but this is like a nice little, almost like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like some sort of, what's that word where, I don't uh not a jam, but it's just like, it's not a dip either too, but she does chop it up enough. So it could be on like, I would love this on a little like crostini or something like that. It's a, we'll call it a dip for now. Um, and she also adds some chopped basil to that, which is, you know, perfect. Uh, so next, what does she do next? She, she makes a salad with ball or she starts rather, uh, this salad with balsamic onions. So she slices up some red onions, kind of thick, kind of just like not too thin, but not too thick, I guess. And then she adds a quarter cup of olive oil and then a quarter cup of balsamic vinegar. And then that's it. She says her her classic tagline, clean hands, and then she holds up her hands and then just kind of, you know, gives it a, a good like smush all around the sheet pan so everything's covered. And then she just throws it in the oven to roast it, which is great. Like I love balsamic vinegar added to anything. <laughs> so... I feel like this is a good match for the red onions too. Uh, and next she gets out my favorite kitchen tool, the salad spinner. It haunts me wherever I go. I couldn't believe I got two episodes in a row with a salad spinner. Or maybe that was two episodes ago that it doesn't matter. But um, the salad spinner has been making, uh, you know, poking its ugly head out in all of these episodes. And uh, I don't know, maybe it's a sign I should get one too. But I, I definitely don't eat enough salad to warrant a salad spinner. So it ain't gonna happen. Um, but she has some beautiful like red leaf lettuce so that she's kind of spinning in this salad spinner. And then she makes a vinaigrette, of course, which is the base of it is like some chopped shallots, uh, Dijon mustard and red wine vinegar. And then she adds three quarters of a cup of good olive oil to it. And that just sort of gives it a mix um, and everything sort of emulsifies. And she, she throws on the, okay, she throws the red leaf lettuce on top of the dressing, but these leaves are gigantic. It is, it's, they're like the size of footballs. Like, I, I don't know why she didn't like crush it up. I have no idea how that's going to be served at all. Um, and then she puts the balsamic onions on top of that and throws it into the fridge. I mean, it all looks really good, but like, I, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know why I'm stressing about it either. I mean, obviously, <laughs> obviously they got through it somehow, but, um, I'm very curious as to why she didn't break them up. Uh, but anyway, um, so the last thing she does for the party is sort of assemble the antipasto salad. I love watching Ina, um, I don't know, make like a fruit platter or like a veggie platter, or in this case, the antipasto. It's just fun to watch. I feel like she obviously has a lot of experience um, doing it, but I, I just kind of learn something uh, every time she does it, like as far as like really kind of arranging everything with like big blocks of color 
and um, also different textures and everything like that. And then, you know, like to the finishing touches of just like adding a small bunch of basil to it. It's not that I wouldn't think of that, but uh, I don't know. It's just kind of helpful and it looks beautiful too. And I feel like on certain occasions she'll talk about like, I don't know if it was like this, the, like the, it's sort of like a, um, oh, what am I trying to say here, Nick? It's like, um, it's like a flow. And I think she said it's some sort of like Japanese flow. There's like, um, there's like the earth and then like the water and then like the sky. So there's like a natural flow. Like it, it might start a little bit higher and then kind of crest down. I can't remember what episode that is in. If anyone knows, let me know. But I, if you, if you know Ina and you watched enough, you, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it looks great. The focaccia, the focaccia looks fine. It's not as, um, this is not the right word, but like porous. I don't know. Focaccia to me should have some like good air bubbles in it. Like it should, it, but this was like thick and dense. I'm, it still probably tasted great. It was like a rosemary focaccia. I love a rosemary focaccia. I don't love it as a sandwich because the moment you bite it everything just like slides off of it I think I've talked about that in the past but in general like if someone has a focaccia in front of me just like you know just kind of dipping that in some olive oil with some herbs ugh, heaven it's great uh so she chops up some salami uh the thick salami and then she adds the olives to the uh which and like the rest of the ingredients that she bought at the Italian store that dog keeps barking its head off out there. I know you probably can't hear it, but it's driving me crazy. <laughs> so uh, she says, uh, basically, she puts everything in the fridge. And she's like, it's all ready to go. And I'm going to the movies. So here's where it really takes off. This is great. So <laughs> next, we're outside of the movie theater. Barbara is there, obvi. And some other woman that I can't really tell who it is from afar because it's kind of like a not a shot in the wide. It's just like, it's pulled back so you can see them. And Ina, like, she's like on the move. She almost knocks both of them over. But before we get into that, we get a good shot. I actually paused it at the perfect time. Uh, the movies listed on the marquee are as follows. So the year is 2003. I was a junior in high school, which is great. Um, and the movies that were listed were X-Men, Bruce Almighty, down with love which is a movie it's like a romantic uh i feel like it's a romantic comedy with ewan mcgregor and renee zellweger matrix 2 the dancer which i try looking up the dancer and i don't know what it is there's like a whole bunch of movies that popped up that have the word the dancer in it but i i have no idea what this is so i don't know if it's abbreviated uh, let me know what that is, because I, I don't know. Because uh, the next one was Bend It Like Beckham, but it was shortened to Bend Beckham. So I'm wondering if the dancer was shortened. I don't know. And then the last movie was A Mighty Wind, which is just uh, the ice, you know, the icing or the cherry on top of the sundae here. There's so many things to choose from. I would say it's like, what is what are Ina and the gals seeing? I would probably say Down With Love, maybe? I highly doubt they're going to see The Matrix 2, but I would love if they did. Bruce Almighty was like, I don't know if like Ina's a Jim Carrey fan, you know what I mean? But like it could, it's almost like that crossover. I think Jennifer Aniston is in that movie. I think. I don't know. Um, but it's I, I would love, maybe they went to see Bend It Like Beckham. I don't know. I feel like that could also be up their alley, but chime in with your thoughts. Send me a tweet. What is What is Ina watching? I wish she would have said it. 
but uh, we never really know. The world may never know. So anyway, back to Ina meeting <laughs> meeting the gals. She she like walks up to them and she's like she doesn't even like break stride as she's talking. She says, "Is everyone inside? Okay, great. Candy, anyone?" And she blows by them so quickly she almost knocks them over. And Barbara says, "I want popcorn." And Ina, without blinking, says, "We're having dinner afterwards." <laughs> In like a very curt and almost threatening way, she's like, "Don't even." think about it Barbara uh it's just it made me laugh really hard it's just one of those things that like she probably didn't even think about it as like she was saying it but she was like already in the movie theater and poor Barbara uh she never got her popcorn um but her loss is uh our gain because that last scene is really uh (laughs) hysterical and again these early episodes they really pack a punch here I wish I wish we could have had like a post-movie scene where, like, I'm assuming it's all the gals, but I'm assuming the gays are there as well. I mean, I want to know who else was in, like, the theater waiting for them, but I I would love to have a post-movie scene where everyone got home and, like, they started to get everything, you know, ready and we got to see them, like, elbow to elbow at the table. Um, But I guess, you know, the episode had to end. And speaking of ending, we have reached the end of our episode. So thank you again, everyone, for listening. If you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can follow it on Instagram and Twitter at GoodVanillaPod. And you can also send me an email at GoodVanillaPod at gmail.com. Also, I have made a Facebook group for The Good Vanilla. Very easy to search. Just type in The Good Vanilla. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you want to know where to get more of me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kochanov. And you can find me on my other podcast, The Best Supporting Podcast, every week with Colin Drucker. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time.